This morning we turn again to the Gospel according to Matthew to continue our journey through the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, the first 12 verses. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And our text verse then is verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. About 2,600 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah wrote, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace where there is no peace. Not much has changed in that time. Peace is an elusive commodity. You, you only need to look at what has happened across the world in our own lifetime. At the moment there's a war in Ukraine, but that's just one of many such conflicts. If you think of the, the area in which such a large part of the Bible is set, the Middle East, that has hardly been a, a peaceful area, despite a number of politicians having received the Nobel Peace Prize for peace in the Middle East. Those peacemakers haven't really achieved much. Peace, peace, they cried out, but yet there is no peace. Now perhaps you're wondering what this has to do with, with today's text. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, he's not calling on us to go to the Middle East or Ukraine or any of the countries in Africa where there's war and, and try to broker peace between warring parties. Yes, some may be called to do that. But the call of Jesus is broader than that. He calls you and me to be peacemakers. Let's look then this morning at, at three aspects of this being peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? What are the characteristics of a peacemaker? And is there any reward in being a peacemaker? Let's look first at what it means to be a peacemaker. Now please note that Jesus doesn't say blessed are the pacemakers. Now certainly those with a heart problem would say that a pacemaker is indeed a blessing. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. So what is a peacemaker? What is it that Jesus is talking about? If we look at Paul's letters to the Romans and the Ephesians, we can start off by saying that a peacemaker seeks, through the Holy Spirit, to live in peace with others and proclaim the gospel of peace so that others may have joy and peace. From the prophet Isaiah and, and the letter to the Philippians, we, we know also that this can only happen if the person who seeks to live in this way experiences not only the peace of God, but also peace with God, and this can only happen in one way, 
through the Prince of Peace. And if we put all of this together and, and forgive the long sentence, if we put all of this together, we can say that a peacemaker is someone who experiences the peace of God because he is at peace with the God of peace, through the Prince of Peace, and therefore seeks through the Spirit of Peace to live in peace with all others and who proclaims the gospel of peace so that others may have joy and peace. Now there's a lot of peace in there, isn't there? But we're going to try and unpack that a little bit this morning. We've been looking at the Beatitudes for some time now. We've seen how they define or describe the character of a Christian and, and how they also build on, on top of each other, how they build on each other. We've seen that the foundational characteristic is the recognition that you do not have anything to recommend yourself to God. You, know, you have nothing to commend yourself to God. And this ongoing awareness of your spiritual poverty leads to a deep sorrow over your sin and also an attitude of gentleness and, and meekness in dealing with others. It also leads to a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for, for that to prevail in your life but also in the life of others. And this awareness of your need for God's mercy and grace in your life also creates an attitude of mercy towards others. And as you are drawn closer to God through the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, your heart is transformed, it is, it is purified. And as all these attributes of poverty of spirit and meekness and purity of heart and mercy and a heartfelt search for righteousness, as those things have an effect on our lives, won't we want to live out those attributes by being makers of peace? By being peacemakers? In the Old Testament, the word peace is that, that well-known Hebrew word shalom. And in the New Testament, it's the word arene. Now, the peace that both these two words refer to is an all-encompassing concept. It has to do with wholeness and fulfilment, contentment and serenity. It has to do with an overall well-being and reconciliation. It is also an all-of-life thing. It's something that touches and indeed permeates every aspect of life. It's not something that's a mere flash in the pan. No, it's something that lasts, something that is permanent. That's what shalom and, and arena, that's what peace means. It's something that's, that's permanent. It's not, also not only a, an absence of violence or strife or difficulty in your life, but it's a positive factor. It's something that is a, a force for change. And related to this force for change, we find the second part of the word peacemaker, maker. That maker indicates action. It's something that is doing, and it's a word of action. And it's, a, it's also a, a vibrant word. It's a word that, that's filled with this idea of get up and go. Go and make something, go and do something. So this isn't just about going with the flow, as it were. It isn't about keeping quiet to keep the peace. It isn't about walking away from a conflict or from a conversation. And this is especially true in our, in our personal relationships, our interpersonal relationships. Some, some years ago, the musician Albert Hammond had, had a big hit with the song The Peacemaker in which one of the lines went something as follows, get out and let me be alone a while to give my nerves a rest. 
Now that's not being a peacemaker, is it? Being a peacemaker in any environment isn't about sitting back and waiting for someone else to to initiate a, a peace treaty, as it were. It's very much about actively seeking and working for peace in your relationships with others and in the relationship between others. Living in the kingdom of God means actively pursuing restoration, actively pursuing restoration of of wholeness and of well-being in a world that is shattered by hostility. Friends, the greatest example, the the supreme example of actively pursuing peace is how how gracious and how merciful God sent his only son to become our peace. Our relationship with God was, was shattered by the fall. When sin came into the world, the peace that existed between man and God was broken. And it would have remained that way if our maker, our mighty God, was willing to tolerate such a broken relationship. Instead, this this God from whose love we cannot hide not only initiated the peace process, but he sent the ultimate and the, the complete peacemaker. He sent the Prince of Peace to become our peace. As Paul told the Colossians, the Lord, through Christ, reconciled all things to himself, whether on earth or in the heavens, in so doing, achieving peace through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Brother and sister in Jesus, our peace with God has been assured by Christ, who is himself our peace. Your peace with God was made possible by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. But if that wasn't enough, the Apostle John says that Jesus himself said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He has given his peace to us. He has placed it in the hearts of those who have accepted him as their redeemer. The precious jewel that is is Christ's peace is the confidence and the assurance that he is with you, always. And having that confidence and that assurance must enable us, it has to enable us to reach out and to touch the lives of others, to reconcile, to truly forgive, to restore relationships that have been damaged or broken. If you and I have received the peace that was purchased at at such an enormous cost, if we understand the magnitude of that, of that sacrifice, how can we not be willing to, to actively pursue, pursue that shalom, that peace in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with our family members, including those who seem to want to do everything in their power to break our hearts? How do we pursue peace with those with whom we come into contact? How do we seek peace when a relationship has been broken through dishonesty or by the the, the breaking of a trust? How do we do that? Beloved in the Lord Jesus, knowing the cost of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, how can we not actively and and purposely want to pursue that peace and to, to live the type of lives that Christ wants us to live? But how do we do that practically? What is it that characterizes a peacemaker? 
Being a peacemaker has one vital requirement. It has one essential prerequisite. And that is to have God's peace in your life. Without the peace of God in your life, there's no way, there's no way that you can bring peace in the lives of others. Not lasting peace in any case. One writer puts it this way, the peacemaker's personality must be permeated with the shalom of God. And that makes sense, doesn't it? The peacemaker must model the character of the Prince of Peace in her or in his own life. We can only transmit to others that which we possess ourselves. There's no way that you can mediate peace if your life is characterised by strife, by anger, by an ill-tempered nature or by a need to be the centre of attention. The Apostle James reminds his fellow believers that those who make peace sow, what, a harvest of righteousness in peace. That harvest of righteousness only comes where there's a lack of jealousy and a lack of selfish ambition. Following earthly wisdom doesn't lead to peace. If we wish to strive for peace, if we want to be peacemakers, we have to seek the wisdom from on high, the wisdom that is, as James puts it, pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Or to put it a different way, to be a peacemaker, your life must present a a picture or paint a picture of all the beatitudes that we've been looking at over the past few months. In a sense, you must, must have gone through this beatitude flow. The person who seeks to be a peacemaker has to first come to God acknowledging his or her spiritual poverty, their spiritual bankruptcy, their spiritual deadness. And that has to flow onto a remorse, which in turn leads to an attitude of gentleness, a hungering for and a thirst for righteousness. Receiving God's mercy has to produce a merciful nature. And God's sanctifying work through the Holy Spirit in our hearts transforms our hearts. It purifies our hearts. And friends, those with pure hearts are the ones, the only ones, who can bring reconciliation, true reconciliation into others' lives. Think about it. If you don't take your sin seriously, can you really bring peace into someone's life? If you're not broken-hearted about your sin, about your sinful state, or the sinful state of the world, how can you bring peace into others' lives? If you don't care about the unrighteousness that goes on in your life or in the life of the world, will you be able to be a peacemaker? If you're like the priest or the Levite who walked past the man who was beaten up, if you're not merciful or compassionate like the Samaritan, do you think you'd be in a position to, to bring pre peace in your relationships with others? Or for that matter, between others? To be a peacemaker, you have to let go of your own ego. A peacemaker needs to be honest and meek, not abrasive and contentious. A peacemaker has to be loving and upbuilding, not prickly and argumentative. In other words, being a peacemaker means reflecting the image of Christ in your life. 
Now, two qualities that are present in those who reflect the image of Christ in their lives, two qualities are honesty and compassion. Just as honesty is crucial in all of our relationships, it is vital for the one who wants to be a peacemaker. Both the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah warn against those who say peace where there is no peace. You see, the thing that the thing is that without honesty there can be no reconciliation. Without truth there can be no peace. And friends, when we talk about honesty here, it has to do with two things. Firstly, it has to do with being honest about the situation itself, as well as where each person in that conflict is at. And secondly, it is aiming, um, or for those aiming to be peacemakers, it is to be honest about your own situation and your own nature. If you want to make peace between people, You have to be sure where each of the people are at. You have to be sure where you are at. You have to be honest about the situation and you need to have honesty about that situation from all parties involved. And this boils down to just one thing. There cannot be any pretense. There cannot be any pretense in the life of someone who claims to represent the image of Christ. There must not be any pretense in the life of a peacemaker. Peace with others, true peace with others, depends on trust. It depends on honesty. Now, you know, sometimes we just want to paper over the cracks in a relationship. Sometimes we will just want to hold up those two parts of the wall with a piece of wallpaper that goes over the crack. But that does not lead to true peace. A lasting and rewarding and peaceful relationship depends on honesty. That goes for our relationships with our spouses, our children, our parents, and for every other relationship too. Making peace and living peace, living in peace, requires honesty. So brothers and sisters, how are we going with that? In your dealings with others, are you always honest? In your relationship with your spouse, is that relation characterized by honesty? How often do you hide things from him or from her? In our relationship with our families, our friends, our colleagues, do we actively pursue peace? Do you reflect, do we reflect the character of Jesus in the way that we do our work, in our relationship with our boss, in our relationship with our colleagues, do we reflect the character of Jesus? That's the first quality, is honesty. The second quality of a peacemaker is compassion. And I'll start there by saying, honesty doesn't mean we need to be harsh. Honesty can and must be accompanied by gentleness and by compassion. Think for, for a moment how that ultimate peacemaker, Jesus Christ our Lord, how he handled the problem of the, the woman caught in adultery. He listened to the evidence, yet he was compassionate. He did tell her that she'd sinned, but he dismissed her with a compassionate command to go and sin 
no more. He didn't cast that stone, did he? Our gracious Lord Jesus wrapped up that cold steel of truth with a velvet layer of compassion. And so often in our relationships, we re- try that again, so often in our relationships, we can be cold, harsh, and even merciless. So often we can keep dredging up old transgressions or faults or mistakes or even perceptions. When we get angrier, when we're confronted with our own sin, we open up that vault of old transgressions and we find something there and we chuck it out there. Is that what a compassionate, what a merciful person who has recognized his or her own spiritual poverty ought to do? Is that what a peacemaker ought to do? Is that how how people who mourn over their own sin are supposed to act? Is that what someone who is meek and gentle, someone who pursues righteousness, ought to do? Is that what we who are called to be peacemakers, is that what we are called to do as people who want to reconcile with others? No. No, and a thousand times no. In, in the letter to the, to the Romans, Paul urges all believers to pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building up. Pursue what makes for peace and mutual building up. As peacemakers, you and I must, in all circumstances, act with honesty. But that honesty always has to be wrapped up with, with gentleness and compassion and grace so that we can build each other up, not put each other down. Now perhaps you're thinking that this peacemaking business seems like awfully hard work. Because we are sinful beings, it's certainly not an easy task being humble and meek and honest, graceful, loving, compassionate, merciful, forgiving. That's not an easy task. But that's what we call to be. That's what we call to do. And you know, despite even your best efforts, you may get kicked back. You may get knocked back when trying to restore relationships. So what use then is there to being a peacemaker? Is there any reward? Is there any benefit to it? To answer this, let's think of why we were placed here. What are we to pursue? You know, some chase after political power. They pursue political power like a certain ex-prime minister of ours. Some desire fortune or fame like countless movie stars. And many achieve their dreams of power and fame and fortune. But the thing that we all ought to pursue is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. By actively pursuing peace, activating Um, or cultivating the love of peace and seeking to bring peace, all of that undoubtedly glorifies God. And that is a reward in itself. It's truly a Christ-like thing to pursue peace. For through it we model the character of Christ as we are led by the Holy Spirit. And while all, all believers are children of God, Peacemakers portray the character of God. That's why they called 
sons of God. That's where the meaning of this blessing in this verse lies. In biblical times, being called or the title sons of God or sons of the Most High refers to character. We see that in Luke 6, for instance. This blessing of being sons of God emphasises character rather than status. It's about portraying the character of God. Now, in the here and now, peacemakers enjoy the reward of restoration of broken relationships. Their reward is knowing that they're doing what God wants them to do and being what he wants them to be. They're blessed because they reflect the character of God in their lives. But as with the other Beatitudes that we've looked at, there's also a future reward here. The blessing of being peacemakers will only be fully realised when Christ returns. On that great day of the Lord, God the Father will explicitly acknowledge them as his covenant people. What a magnificent blessing that is. A magnificent blessing that awaits those who reflect God's character in their lives. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I are called to be peacemakers. In our homes, in our work, here in church, in the broader community, and also on a larger scale. Are you such a peacemaker? Are your relationships with others pictures of honesty and gentleness? Or are they characterised by dishonesty, harshness or prickliness? Are those relationships tender or are they touchy at best? Do they build up the other person or do they tend to break the other person down? Are they characterised by forgiveness and grace or by the dredging up of old hurts or old offences? And most importantly, through your acts as well as your character, are you spreading the greatest peacemaking message of all time? The message of Christ. Or are you keeping that to yourself? Blessed are the peacemakers, says Jesus, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for preserving your wonderful word, for making your will for our lives so clear in the pages of Scripture. Thank you that in your grace and mercy you sought us out you sought us out, Lord, and and that we can be at peace with you because of the saving work of Jesus. Thank you that you've given all of us all that we need to proclaim your word and to live out your word in our lives. Gracious God, guide us and help us to be makers of peace, to live at peace with others, to actively pursue peace in our relationships and to proclaim the magnificent message of peace so that others too can come to know you and enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. We pray this in the name of our Prince of Peace.